Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans, where you can support this podcast on patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway to get access to BSBOTs, our Discord, and much more for the price of a cup of coffee, a beer, or whatever you feel like donating to Greg and I. That's fun, right? That's fun. So on today's show, we'll have Shayna Goldman, who broke the Nemeth news and some other things. We talk about Vincent Trocek, who was a Ranger for seven more years. What we think about the contract and how the offseason's going. If you want to hear the instant reaction to that, of course, the Patreon, BSBOT last week. Thanks so much. And without further ado, here's Mark Messier. Let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Bush Break events. Welcome to another week of the Bush Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. I just want to be on record. Mm-hmm. On record. That's I'm what not, we do here on this podcast. Yeah. We're, I'm not. I'm not giving any issues to uh, my my godson Kumar Rocker today. Uh, I am. I will say that I am happy he is reunited with my other godson Jack Leiter. Congratulations to both. Uh, glad glad to have them both still in the Ranger family. You know what I mean? Yep, they're both uh, Rangers. That's what we wanted. All things, all things considered, from what I understand of the baseball draft, which is just fucking hilarious in and of itself, uh, the Mets had a very good one. So I, I, I can't complain. Hey, listen! Congratulations to the Rangers. Congratulations to the Mets. That's uh, congratulations to the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I think we've hit it all. <laughs> we've done every everything on this podcast. Uh, we t- today we'll be talking about free agency. Um, and, and of course a comprehensive pick by pick breakdown of the MLB draft. I mean, <laughs> from... the, the race did get lambasted. I don't know if you saw that. Did they? Everybody hates who they, yeah, everybody hates the guy they took in the first round, which means he's going to be the best. Player. He's going to be a stud. Like, I, what, yeah. what, when will you stop? When will you stop thinking the Rays are bad? I don't, whatever. Um, Trocek is now a Ranger. We have uh, yeah. Louis Domingue. There is still some. Uh, Brian Windhorst pointing at the sky. What's going on with Capo Caco and Tyler Mott situations that I'd like to get into. But I think we should start with 
with Trojan. Do we actually do we actually think something's going on with Tyler Mott? Because I, I, I I've seen the memes, I've seen you playfully engaging. I, with it. I actually do think there is something. As crazy as it is. As crazy as it is. And it's uh it's definitely one of those like deep Twitter conspiracy theories, but even from the day of, I mean I'm sure you saw me chirping about it a little bit, but I had you know, Drury doesn't leak shit. Ever, period. But I had the right. sense that they were trying to move Reeves. Even though that upsets everybody, and I love Ryan Reeves, we don't have to tell you how much upsets. it doesn't upset. We got to be careful with that term. There, it upset upsets a certain faction of the fan base more than others. That is correct. And you and I have been extremely pro Ryan Reeves in terms of the player and the personality, comparatively to other players that have played his role in the past. Period. Yes, I uh, love the guy. I have a feeling that they've been trying to move him. Tyler Mott is still not signed. It is January. January. Oh, my God. It's January. It's July 18th. <laughs> it's July 18th. Nothing. No rumors on Mott. Nothing. Well, now, we, should, I, we should also be clear. There are no rumors, period, because everybody has taken off for vacation. Like, what? I Nazim did love. Kadri is unsigned. Yes. He was probably one of the five, maybe even three biggest free agents in all of hockey going into this offseason. And not only is he unsigned, you haven't even heard his name mentioned in a week, Ryan. In a week. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe that kind of puts a pin in my mock theory. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Okay, but if the Ra- I, I, if the Rangers can find a way, even though they extended Ryan Reeves the day they signed him, or traded for him, rather, mm-hmm. I can imagine that they're trying to replace him with Mott. They're trying to get the Kako number down to sign Mon. And then, then that's the offseason. To me, I, I'm sure on your side, you'll say the only thing they're waiting on right now is to get this Kako number, and then that's it. Offseason over. Well, so my Mott theory is different than your Mott theory. I think if, if we learned anything from this off this offseason, this free agent period thus far, is that there is just a finite amount of cap space. Now, we knew this going into it. And we knew that this didn't just apply to the New York Rangers. This was a league-wide problem. Um, there's a finite amount of cap space. Most of the teams that have done their big business, that's it, they're done. But there are plenty of other teams who still have dollars they need to spend. And some of those teams are actual competitive hockey teams. Like we know the New Jersey Devils right now, everything is yes for Brett. So they're probably not going to do – any business until they get yes for Brett Dunn, but they have $13 million in cap space. The Winnipeg Jets, who only have 13 players signed right now, according to Cap Friendly, uh, have $14 million in cap space. We we are still waiting on this big domino move the Calgary Flames are going to make, who have $18 million in cap space. The New York Islanders are yet to do uh, anything. They have $11 million in cap space. The Dallas Stars, who once again would like to be a competitive hockey team, have $11.5 million in cap space. If I was Tyler Mott's representatives, I would be waiting until those teams decide what the hell they want to do with their cap space before I sign a contract. Maybe they are waiting for the Rangers to free up money. I'm sure Tyler Mott would love to stay in New York. Why wouldn't he? He just went to an Eastern Conference final. He just played an important role on the team. He seems to have a lot of friends on the team, a.k.a. the general manager, Jacob Truba. So I'm not saying that the Rangers clearly wouldn't want to bring him back. I'm not saying that Tyler Mott clearly wouldn't want to come back. I'm just saying there are a lot of other scenarios that also make a lot of sense here in terms of there is money available with certain teams who are trying to do bigger things right now than sign Tyler Mott 
and Tyler might might want to hang around until those bigger things are done so they can circle back and offer him more money than they're offering him right now. Totally fair, and that's totally reasonable as well. That could be the case, but it is it is a little bit strange. It's almost too quiet, especially on the Kako front, which has been reported by Vince, and then later on Larry that the deal was close. Vince said anywhere between 2, two and 2.5. Larry said 2.4, and they were just squabbling at this point. Chris Jury even came out to say, uh, I think we'll get him to... I don't. What was the exact quote? We'll we'll will him to we'll bend him, not break him. I don't know. Whatever it is, he's gonna sign. <laughs> we love the kid, is what he said, which is a total lie, probably, because um, they benched him in the, before the Easter Conference Finals. Whatever. I mean, I don't doubt that they they love the kid. That's clear. I don't think there's anything we could do to doubt that. You really think they dislike? You think the New York Rangers dislike Kapokako? No, just Gallant. Uh, that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. The obviously the benching in the final game, even though it, I don't think it mattered. I don't think the Rangers were winning that game no matter what happened. It didn't matter if Kapokako was playing or not. It just sends such a weird message that maybe Glant doesn't like him as much as as Drury does. I'm sure Drury loves him, especially as an asset. Um, but we're seeing now players like Doc go for who drafted pick lay, later than Kapokako go for peanuts comparatively as well, and. uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do, they do love him still. Of course, he's going to say that he loves them because it's an asset and it inflates inflates that asset just in case they want to trade him eventually, which I don't think they will, again, because they have no fucking money and he's going to be cheap for two years. Um, so it, it's just a still a weird situation that rubs me the wrong way, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, it's, it's winning today without thinking about tomorrow, which in a certain respect is the coach's job. But it's a point that you and I have talked about on this podcast before where it remains incredibly weird that the National Hockey League seems to be the one league not just doing it but extremely comfortable doing it where there is a clear separation of church and state in terms of the general manager does not feel like it is his business or his right to make a comment on how a coach builds the lineup even though one – the lineup will be here long after the coach. And two, the general manager will be here long after the coach. So giving coaches full autonomy over such an important part of the decision-making process, every other sport has seemingly learned that lesson that it's not necessarily a good idea or even how any other business would be run. And yet the National Hockey League, seemingly the collective says, no, this is fine. Why would we change it? It's worked for so many years. But all of a sudden, I don't know if you saw this quote as well, Gallant was a big part of signing Trocek and also making some of these decisions during free agency. Ryan Carpenter, one name we haven't talked about just yet, who could be a fourth-line center for this team. And apparently he was at the whiteboard making lines, just like us. Hey, Gallant, just like us. Who knows? But well, isn't it- again, I do. I think, there's a, I think it's a difference, and it's a choice of wording sometimes with what people in front offices say. Do I think the New York Rangers specifically signed Vincent Trocek because of something Gerard Gallant said? No, we've known for a while the Rangers have had interest in Trocek before they even had Gerard Gallant as their coach. Does it help that Gerard Gallant is your coach and and Vincent Trocek has previously played for him? Absolutely. I think you're crazy to think otherwise, but I'd, I'd be very surprised if Gallant was the reason the Rangers signed Trocek. And quite honestly, I'm surprised Glantz the reason they signed Ryan Carpenter. You know what Ryan Carpenter does that the New York Rangers need? He wins face-off and he's defensively responsible. Those are things the New York Rangers lacked last year. I didn't, don't matter who the fucking coach is. 
Like, that's just common sense. Like, it, d- does he prefer Ryan Carpenter over other guys who wins face, w- won faceoffs and could possibly play on a fourth line? Maybe. But the the model of the player the Rangers signed, they needed the player. I Who gives a shit if it came with Galant's seal of approval or not? That's just That is just smart GM speak to be like, this is a top-to-bottom organization. We review everything as a team. Just because he says it doesn't necessarily mean I believe it. I think that's true of everybody in this organization. Literally everything they say. Just because they say it doesn't mean you should believe it. Uh, Gallant in general, though, uh, he gets his guy in Trocek right right back there. It's been a weekend since we've done the BSB OT automatic um, and constant review of what the hell happened in free agency. We got to say we got we got to laugh about Johnny Gaudreau. We got to laugh about the Islanders and Devils. We if you want to go listen to that, you can on our Patreon. How are you feeling? What is it like six days later now? that Trocek is a Ranger for the next seven years. After Ryan Strom goes to Anaheim for five years, Cobb goes to Detroit for five years, and Trocek signs for seven with the Rangers. I mean, to a certain extent, I saw a couple people who were like, I'd rather have X for five instead of X for seven. Once you're past the four-year mark, I would have rather not, regardless of the player. I think I'd like to say that first and foremost. That's Um, interesting. Can we stick on that real quick? Because... Yeah, I think that's such a good point that I've, I've kind of been thinking about. Because I text with our friend Dan, I'm calling him out, and some other people about the length of the contract and if that matters or not. But I think it's so clear with the signings and what's happened with the Rangers that they think this next three years is their window, and after that, they're going to try and figure it out. And maybe, maybe it doesn't matter for five or seven years because the, the contract came out for Trocheck. I believe it's movable after the fourth year or something like that, limited uh, no teams. It gets less and less teams every single year. So it's a movable contract. But I, I think you might be right where it's like it doesn't actually matter between the five or the seven years because the next three years is what matters the most. And after that, you have to pay Igor. Igor's going to make an ungodly amount of money. It's going to be hard to win with the rest of the team as well. And then obviously Panarin, Mika, and other players are going to be out of their primes. Let's not kid ourselves. When you you know Some hockey players can, can age gracefully. But Mika Zibanejad will be 34, or Trevor Panera will be 34 as well, and they will not be the same team that they will they they'll want to be, and they'll still have to pay those guys for quite a while uh, until 2026, at least for Panarin, and then 2027 or eight for Mika Zibanejad. So the the window will be will be closed, not closed, but semi open. But I think you're right where it's like Trocheck already 29 years old, seven years he's movable after the fifth year. You could find a way to do it. You're, you notice that Chris Jury has no problem spending assets to move players. Trocek will still be a serviceable player. He will not be a Nemeth situation. So I think I've come to, come around on your side. Originally, I was like, seven years. I, I can't even stomach this. And then I slowly went over and thought to myself, okay, 2025, cap's going to go up. Could be a steal. Like, right? Cap might go up 10 to $15 million. Could be a steal at that at that price. Just like other teams, that's why they signed Jack Hughes for 8-8. Might be a steal in three years. Who knows? But when you get to that area, I just don't, I'm not sure it matters. Just these next three years matter. And that might be it. To, to Your last point is my point where it's like the Rangers wanted the player for this window and they would have accepted whatever made the salary more digestible in their eyes in order to get the player for the window. So Trocek of the three in my eyes and in the Rangers eyes, apparently was that he was the best option for this team. And I would agree. I think he does things that Strom specifically, but also Cop 
um, just don't necessarily do. And I would have, if I had to choose contract independent of those three players, I would have said Vinny Trocek all day, every day. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just, it's just, it's like every long, we've said this in other sports. It's also true in hockey. Every long-term contract's a bad contract. Every single one. None of them. It is the extreme low end that actually age gracefully. The best case scenario you can get, essentially, is what happened with Henrik Lundqvist. And even then, the New York Rangers would say it didn't age gracefully because they had to buy out the final year of his contract. But no long-term contract for a veteran player is a good business decision. You do it because it's a necessary evil, because you feel like you have to get over the hump, because you feel like you are... X amount of players away from a title, and this guy is one. That's largely why you do them. Um, but I also I want to combat a myth that flies around Rangers Twitter specifically, but I'm sure it flies around every other Twitter as well. I think fans need to get out of the habit that the New York Rangers aren't signing these contracts with the mindset that they're trading Vincent Trocheck in four years. The New York Rangers signed these contracts, and this applies Truba, this applies Kreider, this applies for everyone, that those guys are going to be New York Rangers for the entirety of the contract. Now, yes, they do build things into the contract that if it goes south, they could potentially get an out. But the New York Rangers, specifically Truba, did not give him an eight-year deal with only four years no movement with the intent and purpose to trade the final four years of that contract. They're hoping he's here for eight. If it goes sour... They will make an adjustment, but they expect him to be here for the life of it. And I think Ranger fans need to get comfortable that the New York Rangers signed Vincent Trocek to a seven-year deal because they think he could be productive as a New York Ranger for seven years. I don't think – I think fans are thinking too – we joke all the time, and it's a joke because it's true, about how narrow-minded and not progressively thinking NHL front offices are. And then you're going to turn around to me and be like, well, they built this contract because they can trade them later. You're telling me they have that much foresight? This league? These front offices? I understand lying to yourself, but at some point admit you're doing it. I think that's the first time uh, anybody's ever said this league about the NHL. (laughs) But no, no, because the the NBA, it's like this league, man, where it's like a definitive statement. The NHL, you have to put the question mark at the end, like this league? It's this, this one? You this think one? You think like these guys can do it? These guys? The, this these one? old white men who the, have been around the game for 200 years? What do you mean Johnny Gaudreau didn't want to go to... They are thinking next level? The, uh, Lou, Lou Lamorello couldn't do a good enough job to get Johnny Gaudreau? The, the speech wasn't compassionate enough? <laughs> That's weird. In these entitled hockey yeah, players. But, but largely, back to the how do I feel about the contract. Listen, I think what I said the day the Rangers signed on BSBOT still rings true to me, which is the New York Rangers significantly improved themselves by signing Trocek. And quite frankly, by bringing in a guy like Ryan Carpenter, whether he is the go-to every night um, 12th skater or whether it's him and Gustav Rydell moving in and out of the lineup, uh, competing for playing time, blah, blah, blah. You look at the Metro and outside of the Blue Jackets and outside of the Hurricanes, who also did some interesting things. But again, the Hurricanes lost a player like Vincent Trocek the New York Rangers have significantly improved themselves and they addressed an area of concern that existed on a team that made the Eastern conference finals, whether we thought they should make it, whether they didn't, they've improved their roster. They upgraded in two 
important spots, especially when you consider that Igor Shosturkin, one, played the most games he's ever played in his life, and two, we know that he's not necessarily a beacon of health. So bringing in guys like Yarrow Halak and Vincent Trocek, who do very specific things for this team that they specifically needed to address, and they are very clear upgrades, it's impossible for me to sit here and be negative in the vacuum. So I'm not going to be. I think the New York Rangers are firmly one of the three best teams in the Metro. I think the New York Rangers, if they had a coach that wanted to be creative in how they manage this lineup, have a huge potential to be creative in how they build this lineup on a night-in, night-out basis. And I think this team, more importantly, while I do have some questions about how much responsibility the New York Rangers want to give Vincent Trocek up top, they've at least left the door open for their kids to earn bigger roles in the roster. And I think that was equally important. The Rangers really did thread a needle in which they improved the roster, but they're not immediately blocking any kids. I say immediately because we all heard what lines were said at the press conference or player availability for Vinny Trocek. And it was words like they guaranteed me second line minutes. Um, That was a big reason why I wanted to come here, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Things tend to change over the course of the season. And if Phil Heedle's playing out of his mind, Vincent Trocek isn't the guy that's going to block him from getting more ice time. And I think that is as important as it was to bring in a guy where if Mika Zibanejad goes down, you don't feel bad that the Rangers have Trocek and Heedle. Or hell, if Heedle goes down, you still have Mika and Trocek. Like the, the Rangers had zero center depth where if something happened to Mika Zibanejad and Phil Heedle, we were living in dire straits. And Barclay Goodrow was going to play top six minutes. And now here we are where the Rangers have three bona fide centers in their top nine, all of which we feel confident about, one of which we wish was able to get top six minutes, but it's a nice problem to have that he can't. And the Rangers bolstered their their center depth by still having Barclay Goodrow, by bringing in Ryan Carpenter, by having Gustav Rydahl, by having these guys who can step in if it's only a week or two, and you're not really losing a step in your lineup. So the Rangers are a better equipped hockey team today than they were this time uh, two weeks ago. And that's a massive accomplishment. There are problems we could poke in with the contract. Absolutely. I don't love the seven years. You don't love the seven years. It's almost verbatim what we would be saying about Barclay Goodrow, where if this was just a different term, this would be a perfect player. And yet that's the NHL to a certain extent. Again, a league in which some of you truly believe Hockey teams sign players with the intent to later trade them, which blows my mind. Well, it's either you force your way out, which is now starting in the NHL. Hey, I mean, the do P- you force your way out? Because Jake DeBrusque has changed his mind. Jake DeBrusque changed his mind. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois showed up to the draft thinking he, was, he go- was getting traded and the Jets had told him to go fuck himself. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing. He's trying. I, I, I think that might be one of the reasons that Drury didn't pull the trigger on it. Because even though he was going to be a two-year rental... There was no chance of re-signing him. It does seem like he wants to end up in Montreal no matter what. So why the hell would you trade for him? You're no, well, no I mean, that I mean, again, this, this is another point that we made on OT that I think um, deserves a little bit more focus. It The Rangers have all these assets still, which is great, right? They still have Niels Lundqvist. They still have um, Vitaly Kravtsov, who they're hoping will actually be a piece for them. They still have Zach Jones. They still have... Matt Robertson, you go down the list. The New York Rangers haven't had to use 
any of their prized uh, prospect pool to bring players in, which is fine. But you sign Vinny Trocek, you extend Capo Caco, you look at the salaries the New York Rangers are going to have to put on the books in the coming years, and you realize that the New York Rangers don't necessarily – they can't afford to acquire the player that you could trade those assets for. So now the Rangers have all these assets that will only depreciate in value unless they start playing them in the case of Lundqvist. But again, they have one spot open. One of Lundqvist and Jones is going to be the odd man Don't out. sleep on Robertson, bro. It really could be him. That's fine. Then the Rangers have two guys that two guys that will only be able to go to Hartford that they can't even trade for a player to help this roster because this is it. That was the if there was a criticism to have with the Trocheck contract, it's that the New York Rangers have closed the book on significant additions to this core. This is it. This is the team. These are the guys we're going to battle with. The Rangers will do some things around the edges, I'm sure, which is how we get in the conversations about whether Tyler Mott is actually on the table for them or not. But for the next three years, this is it. the only guys we're talking about the Rangers could potentially add, but even then probably won't because they don't have the money, are Tyler Mott types. You're talking about bottom six construction players. You're not talking about the true dynamic playmakers that some teams need to bring in in a pinch. This is it. This is the team. Is this team good enough as is? It depends on how far the kids advance. I think you and I, we would probably say it should be. That doesn't mean it will be, but we're confident that there are enough pieces and enough talent that it should be. But the Rangers aren't getting a Patrick Kane. They're not getting a Pierre-Luc Dubois. I can't with the Patrick Kane stuff. Like, but no, no. But the, the point, it's, I'm not even talking about Patrick Kane individually. I'm talking about the idea that the Rangers have the ability or the, cap- the, 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 the space to bring in a true difference maker to the top six if something happens. Unless someone gets seriously hurt and they are able to Tampa Bay lighten this up and use long-term IR, it's over. This is the team. Get comfortable. Because for the next three years, we're going to be debating if this core is good enough to win the Stanley Cup because there's nobody being added to this core. Not a soul on earth. The only way, especially next year, the only way this team, this team changes at all is if Chris Kreider or Truba gets traded in 2024. Outside of that, that's the only thing you got to be looking forward to for change. Everything else is going to be the same. Vince came on this show last week called, uh, what was it, the Essential Six? I messaged him later on. I was like, he's like, yes, it's now the Essential Seven. I don't know how they did that, but they did. And that's that's exactly where they are. They have seven players that take up, what is it, like 67% of their cap? It's like an insane amount. So your, your guys you're going to be paying, are, are they're not going anywhere. Chris Kreider's not getting moved, period. Panarin, not getting moved. End of story. Truba, same thing. Fox, come on. Igor, come on. What are we doing here? These players, are you, you can't trade for anybody that's worth anything. The, the next time this team will be significantly different, will be 2025 when the cap is spiking. And even then it might not be because you have to pay Igor. You're going to have to pay some other players like Lafreniere and Miller at that time. And paying those players might be all you do at that. Could you see 2025 just being like, okay, we have to pay Miller, pay Lafreniere, pay Igor again. And that's it. Like, yes, I could see that happening right now. 
Yeah, because I'm of the camp that I I don't think the Rangers are eager or looking to move either Kreider or Truba. I think they are very comfortable and, in fact, love what those guys are giving this team. So every every you can't log on to Twitter without seeing someone or somebody saying, oh, well, when they trade one of Truba or Kreider in 2024, things will change. And I feel like a crazy person taking crazy pills when I'm like, you have to prove to me the motivation that they'd be even wanting to consider something like that. I just don't see it. I know things can change in a couple of years, but assuming or hoping that the Rangers are going to be like, you know what? No, we don't want this player. And his no movement clause is now expired. So we'll definitely move him now. I just don't buy it. I don't. And I think this team is this team. And I think the Rangers are comfortable with it until they can afford to pay more people and that'll be entirely salary cap dependent. Entirely salary cap dependent. Agreed. Um, do you want to do five stars after, Shanna? Um, holy shit, look at the time. Yep. Yeah, we should probably do five stars after, Shanna. Sounds good. Let's transition to Shanna. Transition. Hey, we're back with the recurring guest and most guest ever, Shanna Goldman. Shanna, how are you? I'm good. I love this honor. Yeah, you are an honor. That's for sure. You're on. Is it an honor though? Like, also, it's like a little dubious because it does mean you have to talk to us. That's not great. I mean, I actively talk to you two separately and together on my own time. Oh, that's disgusting. Anyway, um, (laughs) now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to how you broke another story. Woo! You uh, were were the first person to tweet out that the New York Rangers were going to trade Patrick Nemeth to Arizona. What was it like two years or three years after the Shea bomb? You're back in the game. You're an insider, Shana. What's it like? It, it's really something. I'm back in the game. Who knew? Anytime the Rangers want to dump salary, I'll find I'll find that information for you. <laughs> That's what you can count on me for. A, a defenseman who the Rangers don't want because they're cap hits. Was two seconds too much? I mean, it was a lot. But then again, like, <laughs> like Arizona has to know at this point, like, on the one hand, teams are helping Arizona by giving them players with term who are going to be stuck playing there when it's going to be tough for them to bring in free agents, and I do understand that. And it's not like it's a great cap hit, and it's not like it's going to make their team any better. But I don't imagine they want to get better right now. Like, you have to think they want to be bad for, like, another minute, tank, and then maybe figure out their shit after that. So it's like they're helping them at the same time, but... I don't know. I guess I guess other teams really didn't want to. And also everybody, it does feel like, knew the Rangers were trying to offload his salary for a while. So I guess you have to try to leverage that. Do you think, man, do you think Nemeth could actually legitimately have a rebound year in Arizona and then they, Arizona could see it as, this guy fell off a cliff, we got two seconds for him, and now we're going to try and flip him at the deadline for like a third or a fourth? It's possible. Like, it's not like he was a bad player before he came to New York. Like, obviously, he had his limitations. And one of the biggest limitations, in my opinion, is that he takes so many penalties for someone a team should want to be on their penalty kill. Like, when Colorado acquired him, the whole idea was for him to be a penalty-killing defenseman. And so often, he was taking the penalties. But if you're looking for someone who can be strong in their own zone, or at least fine in their own zone, which something that's something you know that is all that you can ask for sometimes in a third pair capacity they don't have to be elite shutdown defensemen you know he showed that he was capable of it the thing is that everything is much more chaotic in Arizona than it was in New York this year even when the Rangers weren't at their best but he has that experience from his time in Detroit so could it work possibly 
but he has to avoid taking penalties. And I imagine when you're chasing the puck as much as the Coyotes do, that's going to be a little bit tricky. Shana, from a Rangers perspective, how important was it for them to open up that bottom pair spot? It's important to have the roster spot because it didn't feel very productive when he was in it. And he did have points in the season where he wasn't terrible, but I think from day one, his play was not the level that was expected of him when he signed that contract. So it helps to have a little bit more flexibility there. And whether, you know, you bring in another lefty, you bring in a lefty or righty, they have options now, which is good for them. Um, anytime you can, you know, third pair role with someone on a minimum salary, that's a huge plus. You know, you you have to pick and choose where you're investing your cap, and it should not be in depth players, whether it's at forward or defense or back in net. You, you want to invest in your core, which we all know the Rangers did very heavily, and that's going to kick in now. You need to be smart in how you, you know, distribute the rest of the wealth among supporting players. We have no wealth. We, at the top of this uh, podcast here, discussed some conspiracy theories when it came to why Mott hasn't signed yet and Kako still hasn't signed. Do you think there's a chance, albeit small, that they're trying to trade Reeves? Uh, you're, listen, you're a salary dump person and you're an insider. That's why I'm asking you. That they might be, <laughs> that, that, that they might be trying to trade Reeves. Get Kako's number down to as low as possible, somewhere around the 2.2 area, and then give Mott that extra money, which would be around $2 million over two years. This would absolutely positively not surprise me. I do think it's a bit of a bad look. Just because the Rangers did not have to sign Reeves to that contract, like they traded for him. That was it. Conversation over. It's not like this was a player with a no-movement clause who was only contingent on XYZ. They chose to do that before he ever stepped foot on the ice in New York. And as much as they knew what they were getting in him, you have to know how a player like him is going to age. And I think where you see it the most is in his skating. So if he goes for the hit, he pulls himself out of play because he doesn't have the back. And sometimes that can work. But obviously we saw that burn the Rangers a bit. And now you're adding not just the year that just happened before they acquired him. You're considering another year out from that it was a little bit misguided from the start. So if they're trying to do that, it kind of shows, I don't want to say how chaotic the first couple weeks of Chris Drury's tenure were, but how poorly they went. And this is, you know, when we talk about how the Rangers screwed up last offseason, we're all going to point to the events in the very beginning of it, the, the cap dumps and the moves and the way he invested things. So if he's going back to undo it, it's a bad look. But if he can fix it and remedy it for the future, then... So be it, right? Shana, I guess I think the natural question out of that is, is Tyler Mott one of those pieces the Rangers need to go through the cap gymnastics for? Or is it a little... We all know he was very impactful when he got here, and we know that um, obviously the New York Rangers would look a little better with him here, but were moves like Ryan Carpenter and Gustav Rydahl and the simple return of Sammy Blade. Do you think that's enough, or do you think the Rangers need to make an effort to get it done? I don't think that they should be going through cap gymnastics for a fourth liner ever. I do think they should go through cap gymnastics to give themselves as much flexibility and give themselves the options to make this team better, and I do think Tyler Mott makes this team better, or if not him, a player comparable to him. Um, it depends on what the contract looks like. If it's 
a little bit more than I think most of us could see someone like him making. It's a little bit tricky if they see him as more of a third liner. And there is a case to be made that he could move up in the lineup here and there. And I think that does depend on Blay a bit more than anything else. Then there's some more value there. But the biggest plus to him is that he's not just a depth player, but he's one that can bring a two-way impact. He's not just a one-dimensional player. And Ryan Carpenter, I think, is fine as a fourth-line center if he ends up in that role. But we all know that he has his limitations and he is a bit one-dimensional, which, again, minimum salary, fourth-line center, that can be fine if you have the right players around him and someone like Mott can be the right player around him. That's someone who can, you know, be strong defensively at five-on-five. He can add an offensive pop. He's really good at driving playing to the offensive zone and creating scoring chances. He's a great penalty killer. And we saw in the playoffs, when you move him up and give him more ice time, he can make even more of an impact in crucial moments. He's the player you want in that six on five situation because he has the foot speed to drive play up the other way and not just stand there and block shots. He can actually make an impact. So if you're going to be making cap gymnastics for a fourth liner, it's not like he's a bad option to do it for, but in general, they should just be doing it to get themselves as much flexibility as possible. Do you see Carpenter as uh, sort of like, we usually say on this show something, and this is especially, this is Greg's line, but find the next Barclay Goodrow. And I know Carpenter's 31. I understand he's older, but he's a cheap player that can do a lot of what Barclay Goodrow can do. Or am I reading that wrong? Eh, like, I mean, he was someone that was like moved last deadline when he went to Calgary. And that's when so many teams, it felt like were looking for the next Barclay Goodrow type players. And I don't think so much he was it. I think someone like Nick Paul, who has a little bit more upside, was kind of more fitting for that while like Hagel was closer to the Blake Coleman's of the bunch. Um, and the same you could say with like someone, you know, along the lines of cop and Colin Blackwell, I would also make the comparable to um, Barkley Goudreau because he doesn't have as much offensive up- upside, but he's strong back in his own zone and on the penalty kill. I don't think Carpenter is at that level. And I think, yeah, he's 31. This isn't, this isn't someone that's, 26 27 but then again if he can be good for a year or two years and that's how you brought in a strong fourth liner and penalty killer so be it right it's all about not investing too much and not looking for the player that is super established and costs a ton to acquire or to have on the books to play that kind of role Shayna, uh, we haven't asked you yet. It, it wasn't the news that you broke but Vincent Trocek is now a New York Ranger what's the Shayna Goldman breakdown of the fit, the deal, the process, the whole kit and caboodle, as they say. I did find it interesting that they, at the cost, because they could have had cop for the same cost, it seems, unless, of course, he was asking for more to stay in New York, and it's different situations on each team. But, you know, they could have had cop for that same price for two fewer years. Strom didn't sign for much more. So it was clear they wanted a different direction with their second-line center position. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. We've been talking about Ryan Strom for years, Did he hit his peak? Is this the best he's ever going to be? And what is he going to look like going forward? And for the most part, we think the best is probably behind him. And even if it's in front of him for another year or two, it's not going to look great at the end of the contract. So sure, fine, whatever. With Cop, you could probably make the same argument as well. So it makes sense that they'd look in a different direction. I do think this obviously cements him in the position. They sold him on playing with Panarin. He's playing down the middle. That's it. Conversation over. If Heedle's going to be in the top six, it's going to be as a winger. If not, he's a 3C, which is not a bad role and doesn't have to be, you know, such like a knock or a demotion in a way. I know a lot of people envision him as a second line center and rightfully so. But like, if we look at Stanley Cup champions, we can talk about the impact of a third liner like Arturi Lekkinen or like we were talking about Barkley Gadron, Blake Coleman in Tampa Bay. So it's still an important role. 
But I think the term is the only thing that's a little bit tricky here. Like we knew he was going to get paid a lot. He was, you know, one of the best available centers on the market, um, especially aside from Kadri, who he's younger from, uh, younger than. And obviously Malkin didn't make it to market. So this is a good player. I think some of the talk about his face faceoffs are a little bit overrated because you can win without being incredible, you know, at the dot. But this is a good player. He has a good shot. He's good back in his own zone. He can kill penalties as well. So you're adding more dimension to it, which, you know, Strom they had playing that role for a while. And then they kind of pulled the reins back on him because he isn't as good in his own zone. Um, and he obviously clicked well with Gallant. So I think all of that works. It's just the end of the contract. But, like, realistically, we know at the end of Zibanejad's contract, the Rangers could be in trouble. And the same with Kreider. So... If you're going all in for the right now, it makes sense. Something like what Pittsburgh's doing or even Tampa Bay. In a couple of years, we're going to be looking at most of these teams being like, you know, some of those contracts were not the best decisions. This could be one of them, but at least it's only at, you know, 5.6 million versus 7 or 8 million for a second line center who is not the caliber they should be for that kind of money. Do you think teams are considering that 2025, there might be a massive cap jump once the escrow is paid off of maybe 10 to $15 million and the Rangers see this next three-year window as who cares what's happening. We already signed all these guys and the prime of their career is going to be over at that time. Yeah. It's like the same thing as just wait till the money comes in for the next TV contract. Obviously we didn't project what was going to happen with the rest, rest of the world around it. It's what we talked about with Kreider's contract. This contract is going to be, you know, a bit of an overpayment, but when this money comes in and the cap goes up by X dollars, everything will be fine. That totally could be the case. But yeah, it might be the Rangers looking at it going. Our our best window is these years. Same with Pittsburgh with those four-year contracts going. These next you know couple years are our best shot. Let's go balls to the wall, do everything we can to give our team the best chance, even if it fucks us later on in it. And if you if it does, you handle it then. You either get creative or that's when you have to step back and retool. Like this is what you have to do. The Rangers invested in their players before they were legitimate contenders and now Trocek kind of like locks up that top six group a little bit more obviously we still have you know Paco's next contract and then you know eventually Lafreniere's next contract and things like that but if they can manage bridge deals for them which it sounds like that's the vibe they're going to go for since they invested so much around them then that's what you have to do you know you have to figure it out somehow and sometimes you have to give up a little bit so maybe the Rangers got him to a lower term uh, lower cap it to give him the term, but they're not really worried about what's going to happen in seven years. They're worried about the next couple of years and contending while Shesterkin's at this level and Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider and Fox and so on and so forth. And like rightfully so to an extent. Shana, you are someone with your, your finger on the national pulse. I think it's fair to say, uh, do you think uh, instead? Okay. Let me phrase it this way. Which team in the Metro so I'm talking just in terms of new players coming in to their teams. Which team in the Metro, in your eyes, improved the most from signing day till now? <laughs> signing day till now, which Metro team do you think improved the most? Carolina. Carolina by, I think, I think far and away is the best Metro team. I think... The Devils checked off two boxes they needed. They did not do it in the flashy way. I think some would have hoped. So I think that they're an improved team. But is it because of the players they added? Not quite. I think it's an all-around picture thing. The Islanders have done nothing. 
The well, Capitals you, have you, that. You also, you also can't say the Devils because the big thing there is Jesper Bratt. And if that doesn't work, oh boy. Yeah, I imagine it works. I would bet anything it works, especially now that they have even more cap space to go around since they didn't spend as much on someone like, I don't know, Johnny Gaudreau. Oof. But like the Islanders have done nothing. The Capitals got better goaltending. That's great and wonderful. I still think that they need work. Pittsburgh is interesting because they have Malkin and Latang, so technically they're the same as they were before free agency day, but they're a lot better than they'd be if they left. But the Raquel deal is a little bit iffy, and they've made some interesting moves on defense, but is it enough? Like, I'm really not sure. Um, the Flyers are... Awful. Anyway. Yep, they exist. The Hurricanes, you look at it, and that Brent Burns deal, I think, is so good for them because they're not expecting Burns to be Norse caliber. They're expecting him to be good offensively and have support around him that he hasn't had in years. I think he's going to thrive there. Max Pacioretty, I know there might be injury concerns and whatnot, but he is one. He was one of Vegas's best goal scorers, and he's going to have a very good team around him once again. I think those two moves alone are so good. And then the depth move of someone like Andre Kasha, I think that's a good bet to take. I really like what they did. So I'm going to have to say them. And they were one of the best Metro teams as it was. But the fact that they just got even better, you know, that's that's a threat to New York without a question. Yeah. All right. So to me, I felt like the Rangers won the draft, even though they didn't participate in it. I felt like they won free agency as well. <laughs> because I think other teams have just gotten – I know you said every team has gotten better, but I – I'm not sold on the Pacioretty stuff. I know he's an amazing player, but doesn't he hurt kind of what Carolina does as a, like, four-checking team of, like, speed, soft, like, possession play? Like, I know he's a really great player. I know he's a sniper. He can do certain things like that. But I, I still feel like these, like, older legs kind of break Carolina's system, and I'm not sure they're far and away the best team. Maybe I'm being I'll over-optimistic on the Rangers. Well, I honestly, Ryan, I think it's I think it's funny you bring up Pacioretty because I would have brought up Burns, like, He's not he's barely better defensively than D'Angelo, and I don't think he's as good offensively anymore. So are we sure that they actually took a step forward with Burns, or did they kind of somehow stay the same while getting like twelve years older? Okay, that's fair. I think with Burns, I think that they made out better because I think there's somehow more reliability than taking the risk on signing D'Angelo to that contract. So from that respect, I think and I think he's I think he could be better defensively than D'Angelo with someone like Slavin or Pesci alongside him, especially because they're not going to need him to play the minutes that he would have played in San Jose. Like, I think that they could preserve his game pretty well. I think Pasharetti is kind of what they were missing in Carolina, and it's a good bet to take because it's not like he has a huge term on his contract or anything like that. They need someone who can shoot the puck like he can and can finish those scoring chances like he can. And he's so good at playing off the rush. That's what Vegas thrives on, that speed game, you know, with someone like Mark Stone and like Stevenson, which that's not even an elite center, that I think it's really interesting to see how he's going to, you know, click there. He doesn't have to be this incredible defensive player. He doesn't have to be the puck carrier even, which he often didn't have to be in Vegas either. He just needs to play to his strengths. And I think that the Canes can make that work. If they can play that dump and chase style, beat opponents in the corner and get him the puck, they're in a good position. So, I like what they did, but I, I think the Rangers honestly did well that they didn't do anything stupid. Like, the smartest thing you can do a lot of the time is to not spend on free agency day, which is a day that everybody throws money around because you have to spend to get players to come to your team, to leave their former teams and things like that. 
and the Rangers didn't do it. And the Hurricanes went the trade method for most of it versus, you know, free agency signings too, which I think is a benefit to them. But And they didn't have to give up too much. I mean, they gave up nothing for Max Pacioretty. I think that's a huge win. But the smartest thing the Rangers did was they didn't overspend like they did, I don't know, last year with contracts they already are getting themselves out of. Well, those first 30 days of Chris Drury, I mean, it's like any new sports owner or new GM. They just make, they were, they're itching to make impact moves and they make a ton of mistakes. And Drury immediately, and I think we flamed him appropriately for the time, traded Buchnevich for what I feel like is a lackluster package. I'm sure a bunch of people are shaking their heads right now or nodding along. And then uh, the Nemeth contract, of which we, you know, said was good at the time. I mean, analytically, it looked pretty solid. Then he fell off a cliff. And there were just some things that really came back to haunt him very quickly. He reconciled that at the trade deadline, and it seems like he's kind of found his footing as a GM. I mean, he literally replaced all his scouting as well. Didn't really have a first-round pick to pick this year. That's okay. Might not have one next year as well. Uh, but this Ranger team, I, I, I would say, is firmly in the top three, Shayna. I mean, listen. Listen, yeah. the Islanders are going to be a pain in the ass, but they would have been sick if Gaudreau went there. Like, I would have been throwing up if Gaudreau went to that team. They would have been so good. And they're not going to be that. that they might still get Kadri, like, hands up. I don't know. They're probably still trying to get Kadri, but Kadri is not Gaudreau. And the Devils, no. they're, they're, they're not better either. I mean, Jack Hughes is going to go another year. They're, they're going to develop a little bit. They just traded Ty Smith, which I thought was a little bit strange. I know he had a down year as well. But I think everyone in the in, you can make a case that everyone in the division kind of took a step back, or except the Hurricanes, you can't you can't really make that case. You can make the case that Trocheck left. You can make the case that maybe that the, the foot speed isn't there for Carolina to play the game that they wanted. That's fine. But I think the only team you can clearly say got better uh, and are a real contender is the New York Rangers. Obviously, Columbus Blue Jackets got better. They signed Johnny Gaudreau. Duh. Right. But, but they're not. But they're not. In yeah. The, in the conversation at all. If I had to project out the division right now, strictly the Metro, because I think the Atlantic still, the bar is pretty high, like for a bunch of those teams, obviously. I think Carolina and the Rangers are up there. I think Pittsburgh gets a sidestep, but then you still question like, well, everyone just got a year older. Is it, is it a little step back? Like I kind of think maybe it's a little bit of a step back versus a step forward, but I think it's close to a sidestep, which wasn't good enough. You know, like I, I like Darcy Kemper to the Capitals, I don't think that they're good enough. I don't think that they've done enough either. So if I had to look at the Metro right now and you told me it's going to finish Carolina and then, you know, Rangers and Pittsburgh right there, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was then, you know, any of the Rangers, uh, the, I'm sorry, the the Islanders, the Devils or the Capitals battling it out for wild card spots. It'd be like, okay, that kind of clicks right now. And maybe some of this is my bias from this past season. Cause I'm not saying anything that's so wildly different from it, but like, I don't think a lot of teams did enough to make it seem like they're going to be in a better position than last year. You know, the Islanders will be healthier, sure, but they need to do something. Their players all just got older. They have a new coach. Maybe that brings a spark, but did they do anything to get their team to where they should want it to be, especially when they're betting so much on this core? Absolutely not. So, yeah, that's, that's where I would go with the division right now. I still think it's Carolina, the Rangers, and Pittsburgh are the top three teams as it stands, but... You know, another year of Chesterkin, another year of the Rangers, ideally working on those defensive improvements that they started to make at the deadline, and they're in a better position to succeed as long as they keep the offense up. All right, Shannon. So the New York Rangers, for the most part, we would assume their 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 job's done. They're not going to do anything besides Kako finish that business. Whether they sign Mod or not, I think it's immaterial right now. So give me the 
one, two, three areas of concern you have with this team going into the season and what you think they have done enough to correct in the last two weeks? Um, scoring is the biggest concern. We know they can put the puck in the net. Do we expect Chris Kreider to score as much as he did this past season? Probably not. Do I think he could still have a very good season? Absolutely. So it's just consistently creating offensive chances and not relying on elite finishing. That's the biggest thing, and that burned them at times in the playoffs. That's what hurt them against Tampa at 5-on-5. It's what hurt them a lot against Pittsburgh. So that's number one for me is the offensive creation. It's consistently – like they need to – it feels like they didn't grasp onto the system that we kind of expected them to, and they don't look like, I don't know, the Vegas Golden Knights under Gerard Gallant, and obviously it's different players, but you still have a lot of high-end skill, and I think the expectation was for them to be a little bit more dominant offensively than they were, so that has to be number one. Number two is probably defense, and, you know, they were trending in the right direction. They kind of fell apart in the playoffs. They kind of pulled it together. So that's great and wonderful. But, like, I don't really want to look at it as what they did in the playoffs because I think that's, like, a different conversation. I think it's post-deadline they had defensive improvements. Can they carry those into the next year? So if it's all about five-on-five play. I think that they have the makings to be a very good penalty kill again, maybe even get better if they still have players like Mott or if players like Trocek are a part of it. I think the power play still has that firepower potential. So it's offensive you know, making sure that they're actually protecting the middle of the ice defensively and not forcing Chesterkin to be perfect so they can, you know, not run him into the ground. And then three is, I guess maybe it's just ensuring that they do everything they can to preserve Chesterkin once more. This last year was the most he ever played in a year of his career. So it's just building on that to making, you know, making sure that they have that foundation that he can handle his workload. It seems like the backup situation should be fine. I really don't question what they do when they acquire goalies because they seem to know better than anyone else what they need or don't need. But just doing everything to preserve his game so he once again can be the difference maker in the playoffs. Was there anything else outside of what we covered at the Rangers and outside of uh, the Metro that surprised you during free agency at all? Um, It surprises me that teams hand out the contracts that they do to someone like Ben Sherrod and someone like um erica branson but teams always do that um the ottawa senators are the most surprising Woo, to me um, let's go i i like it it's it's so interesting because i think we've seen some changes already and now that they're obviously different voices leading the way for their ownership group um it's it's super interesting to see how they're addressing their lineup they worked on goaltending i think that in the interim it's a better solution than what they had before I still think it's not the perfect situation forever, but I, I think their tandem is fine for the year. Um, offensively, that they were the team to get to bring Cat for what they offered, wild to me. Um, and it's just like they, they have this top six now that's so interesting to me. I think it's such a good top six. I like the versatility of it. I like the different skill sets they have. And I think they have some forward depth behind that. It's just their defense. And I think it's a systems problem. And I think it's a personnel problem. So if they could bring in a good defender, maybe two, maybe not dress a guy like Travis Hamanick, I think that they would be just really interesting disruptors. Maybe not necessarily a good team because we know how good the Atlantic is, but like the disruptors of the East. And I like that for them. Um, 
I know this question can be answered 700 different ways with a 800 of them being negative, but could you justify <laughs> anything the Chicago Blackhawks have done so far this offseason? No. Um, actually, one thing. I understand that they went for Peter Morazic and they want their goaltending to be bad because it seems like they want to tank. I think that they're successfully making themselves have a very bad lineup. Sure. I don't like how they've gone about the rebuild at all. I think that... Is it because they haven't brought in a single asset worth a damn while they've done all these trades? Yeah, and and they're giving... Like, they're not chipping away at their older players who you would expect to go first, but like they're players that you would expect to be the answer in the future. Like, I don't know, Kirby doc, you shouldn't give away for pennies on the dollar. You are it. There's no reason to sell low on a player. And I get it that the team around him is going to, you know, break down a little bit more and might be hard for him to succeed. And they could be worried about a stock falling, but you don't sell low when you don't have to, there's no reason for it. And they didn't get much back from it. The Debrinkat deal, I'm shocked they couldn't get more. This was a, a player they didn't have to make this decision right now. There's no reason to think his game's not going to hold up. There's no reason to to jump at a trade that isn't amazing when you have one of the best goal scorers in the league. Um, even you could go back to the Hagel deal at the deadline, and one of the players said it. I forget if it were Kane, if it was Kane or Taves that were like, if that's not a part of the solution based on this agent contract, what is? And they have a point to an extent, like, you're hoping one of the first rounders you got got back is going to be the next Hagel. You don't have a guarantee of that. So the whole mystery situation, box, mystery box in the boat, Shane. It's our fa- it's our favorite analogy on this entire show. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent true though. Like it just is so odd the way that they're going about things. And I get it; you have to tear it down. I get it; you want to tank, but you should have the leverage in this situation when the players aren't on expiring contracts. And the funniest part of all of this which when I was doing something earlier and going through cap hits for something I was working on was Seth Jones's massive contract, which put them partially is the reason they got set back as far as they were. And I think jumped at that seventh overall pick to get back in the first round since they moved their own draft pick in that deal is the fact that Seth Jones is only starting that massive contract this year. You still have eight full more years. years. That's wild. It was bad then, but it just, considering everything else looks so much more terrible. There's no way of getting out from that. And they did that. They didn't need to. The worst thing that happened to the Chicago Blackhawks, and I think the Montreal Canadiens, was making the play-in round. But it's especially true for Chicago, because at least Montreal had that trip to the final, and I'm sure they wouldn't trade that. But it gave these teams like this false sense of security of who they, who they think that they were, because they won a round, and they didn't get the high draft pick they should have. They, they like went off the rails a little bit, and they were like, oh, we're going to try to be so much more improved for next year. Like everything they did was ass backwards and it's only burning them in the long term, which is the last thing that they should have wanted. Shana, can't thank you enough for giving us your time. Greg, any final questions for Shana? Uh, Shana, we asked before this podcast started recording. So I'll ask you again, what would you trade for Juan Soto? I I said the money gun before, but <laughs> I would like a lifetime supply. I would be like, all right, you're going to come to our team. I want every ounce of cherry blossom merch that you have to offer i think it's awesome and i would be like i want five jerseys i want 10 t-shirts in all different sizes so if i'm feeling a crop top that's cool if i'm feeling an oversized t-shirt i have it i want the hats i want socks i want everything so i would trade that i would say please bring that and then you can come to my team yeah that makes sense i'm in for it (laughs) um you can follow shane on twitter hey shay 
Uh, you can follow us. We'll be actually we're, we're actually going to come stay here and do five star questions. So we'll be right back. But Shannon, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. All right, coming back for some five star questions real quick at the end of the show. Uh, if you want to leave a five star question, you can join our Patreon, go to our Discord, go to the five star questions channel, leave them there. Uh, let's get this out of the way first, and then we'll do some Ranger questions. There's hmm. two questions about Juan Soto. We just talked to Shana about him. It's from K Bomb and uh, Tom Rush Jr. K Bomb asks, "Is there a Realistic package you wouldn't pay for Soto. Uh, and Tom Jr. asks, what is a reasonable trade package for the Mets to offer for Juan Soto? Do the Nationals even entertain it? Would it make sense for the Mets? Uh, I'll let you answer because I think we have the same answer. Yeah. Um, to point number one, the is there a package I wouldn't trade for Juan Soto? No. There's one package, point- and it's Trout Otani. That's the package. Yeah, I guess. Even then, you can make an argument. You can actually like, make the argument. You, you, you're, you're betting one, Otani has been injured a bunch, and two, there's a pretty good chance that Soto over the next ten years will be better than Trout over the next ten years. So you can make the argument, Ryan. It's not done. That's sick. That's the that's the point that we are trying to make here. Uh, what is a realistic package the Mets could trade for Juan Soto? Whatever the fuck they want. Like I. I the Nationals could ask for literally everything. I don't know how to be more explicit than that. If they wanted Alonzo, Lindor, DeGrom, Scherzer, and Francisco Alvarez, you'd have to consider it. You would. It's one fucking Soto. He shouldn't be available. Uh, I We said this in a, in a group text with our friends because they're like, what is a package for Juan Soto? And I simply said there isn't one that exists. The entire room agreed, and we moved on with our day. Like, what do I think the Mets are actually going to offer? They're going to offer Francisco Alvarez. They're going to offer Matt Allen. They're going to offer Brett Beatty. They're probably going to offer Ronnie Mauricio. Do I think that's enough? It's No. My man, that's that's not a 16th. It's not a 16th. And I love Francisco Alvarez. Love him. As you should. The Mets have the two best catching prospects in baseball now, by the way. Welcome to the team, Kevin Parada. Uh, An anonymous scout today. Or yesterday said it's like the Mets have prime uh, Mike Piazza and prime Gary Carter on the same team. To which I say, I love the MLB draft. This is the most ridiculous time of year. The New York Yankees drafted a guy 6'7", and they said he's going to be the left-handed Aaron Judge. The only thing he has in common with Aaron Judge is he's a tall outfielder. It's great. I love it. Prospect writers say Ivan Melendez, who won the Golden Spikes Award this year, hit 387 with an OBP over 500 and a slugging percentage over 800. Essentially sucks. It's It's amazing. I love the baseball draft. Nothing makes sense. All of it is Fugazi. It's ridiculous. But to answer the Soto questions, you shouldn't be traded because you can't get... You honestly, like... I know you can't let Juan Soto walk, but you almost have to because you're just... You're losing no matter what. If he's not on your team, you've lost the transaction. So what does it matter if you're getting anything in return? Oh, man. It's like a 16th, bro. He's 23 years old. His o- he's having a down year. His OPS is 800. Okay. I saw I saw a writer post today that um, there are four Mets currently who have a career war over 20. Juan Soto at 23 would be number five. Disgusting. Like, that's how fucking good he is. Disgusting. Uh, David asks, is this the best New York Rangers offseason for our rivals getting fucked? Yes. Yeah, it's not close, actually. 
Is it the best though? I don't know. I'd have to. We'd have to really dig in and see if it's like actually the best. I think since we've done this show, it's the best. I'll give you. I mean, yeah, but that—that's such a such a caveat. It's like, been seven years. <laughs> it's been seven years. It's not a caveat. It's been a long time. I mean, it's a little bit of a caveat. Come on, you can't say it's not a caveat. It's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to think of it going better for the New York Rangers. Let me put it that way, because the Islanders have done jack all. Uh, the Devils lost out on their main guy. Not only did they lose out on their main guy, but it's safe to say, like the settlement they ended up with Andre Palat. Like we did an entire rant this earlier this offseason about how like be careful about signing the guy who just made a killing playing with Kucherov and Stamkos. Um, the Flyers, God bless them. Like the only way the Flyers could have had a worse off season is that they somehow brought back Elaine Vigneault. That's the only way it could have possibly have gotten worse. Uh, the Blue Jackets are the team that made the splashy signing. We don't consider them a threat. Uh, Shayna made the point for the Hurricanes getting better, but I think you and I seem to be firmly in the camp of they've kind of treaded water, which, you know, it's not great because they're probably still a better team than the New York Rangers, but we don't think they got better. And if anything, in Pittsburgh, all that happened was players got a little angry with management and they didn't make any improvements. Like, I'll be honest with you, I don't think Jeff Petrie's better than John Marino. I'm a big John Marino guy. I'm not... Not really worried about. I think the Penguins are still a good team. Sidney Crosby can win a series by himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sidney Crosby's still there, so it doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't right? matter. Like he's, that's what it comes down to. Yes, he's that good, and that's all that matters. Uh, but those are the three teams. Like I, I don't know. It's a good. It's been a good off season for the Rangers overall. It's fine by me. Uh, this is from Agar. Which franchise gets themselves out of a bind by trading a significant contract for future consideration that spurs the NHL to finally step in and close the loophole? And why is it the Florida Panthers? Mm, no, no, I don't think they don't. I, they don't. Once, once again, I, I you, we're asking this league. Yeah, we're asking, we're asking this league. Yeah, I'm not trying not to, to an, not answer your something? question. I think Greg and I legitimately feel there's there's no way they do that. Yeah, I just I don't think the league is. We're, we're asking the league to be something they're not. And I'm just not capable of doing that. Uh, again, this is the same league where it's the, it's the only league in sports um, that is this reliant on in-person fan attendance for them to make their money. Every other sport has if not just embraced other revenue streams, but are almost reliant on other revenue streams and are profitable from other revenue streams that if attendance does dip, it just doesn't really matter because they're invested in other places. And in the NHL, it's the revenue stream that is keeping this league from increasing the salary cap or just doing anything fucking interesting. And it's just ridiculous that we live in this world. This is an interesting one. This is from Paranoid Android. In Wednesday's OT episode, you guys speculate... You know it's Paneranoid Android, by the way, right? Oh, boy. Okay. It's it's always been that, too. Is it, has it? Yeah. <laughs> Man, reading is hard. Uh, Paranoid Android. In, in Wednesday's OT episode, you guys speculate on what moves were available next offseason to create additional cast space to sign Heedle, Miller, and Lafreniere. And mentioned maybe not, not having to negotiate with Truba or Kreider to waive their no-movement clause, etc. But isn't it more obvious to trade Goudreau to free up $3.6 million slot next offseason? 
He's a modified no movement clause, and is and in a stupid league, he will be movable even at five years, three point six million for another team looking to add magical winning grit, or teams looking to reach the cap floor. That might actually be the real thing that happens. Yeah, I mean, yes, it makes more sense to trade the less talented, less important player. Uh, I, I I'd hope that that was fairly fairly apparent. From the jump, but we don't really but talk again, about Goudreau like in as a cap dump very often these days at all. No, but I, I'll also say this: I think it's more likely the Rangers view Barclay Goudreau as an important part of the next Cup winning team than Filipino. No, I I don't think that's. I, I it might you know sound what? like You're a hot right. take, but I'm not making a hot take. I think I truly believe the New York Rangers themselves uh, believe it's more important to keep a Barclay Goudreau around. And the luxury that they are talking about, or we are talking about, actually turns out to be Filipino. Hard for me to disagree. Bradley asks, if Vincent Trocek's signing is the Rangers' Jalen Brunson signing, then who is the Donovan Mitchell trade going to be? Nobody. They have Nobody. no money. No, because again, uh, the rule here, friends, uh, and this is an important rule, is one team can be interesting. The other team cannot. So far, the New York Rangers, even signing Trocek, I don't think quite meets the interesting threshold because we expected them to make a 2C move. And in fact, what they did was take the path of least resistance. So if anything, you can make the argument that if the most boring route was simply re-signing Strom or Cop, this was the second most boring route. Whereas Donovan Mitchell, that's fucking interesting. Yeah. And I also, I posed the question today. It's this time of year, Ryan. What happens first? Kako signs? Or Mitchell trade to the Knicks is done. I think Kako signs first. Uh, you've been saying this for a while now, buddy. Yeah, I know. We're Feels doing like... it. We're doing it again. We're doing. We're, we're back, back, baby. We're back. Uh, two more, real quick, or three more. Traveling sports doctor. I'm a firm believer that having extra centers in the lineups, uh, or he's a firm believer in having extra centers in the lineup. I call it the inverted T, where you have three, have a one C, two C, three C, and three centers on the fourth line. It allows for maximum flexibility. What do you think of a fourth line of Goodrow, Rydall, Carpenter for that purpose? I'm in. You sold me. The inverted T. I love it. <laughs> you got yeah, it. Yeah, I just, I don't think it's happening. Like I, I don't either, but, but I love the idea, and I love you going for it. Yeah, I the Rydall stuff's interesting to me because I'm still a firm believer that he was playing an important role in Sweden, his home country, for his hometown team, and he's 27 years old. And I understand the money is slightly better here in the u.s even in the ahl than it is in the shl but it's not that much better where you uproot your entire life for a chance to make the opening night roster i understand that this is very it's very possible that this is what it is and this is what will happen uh but i just permanently color me skeptical that Rydall is not going to be a ranger on opening night i just i think he will i think the Rangers would benefit from it. This isn't an, I, I think the Ryan Carpenter signing is the perfect low budget signing you do. And again, it's, it falls in line with the dry and hunt deal last year, where these are the kind of players you're supposed to be signing to these type of deals. So you're not giving out significant salary obligations to players in your bottom six. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I'm not going to be able to shake this Rydal existence on the Rangers roster uh, until I'm told otherwise, essentially. Final question, because uh, our other question is from Matty Jack, and he asks about Truba and if he's possibly moved in 2023 2024, but we talked about that earlier extensively. Uh, Just Gypsy asks, hear me out. 
Tired, struggling to figure out how to sign Mott in July, wired, letting him sign somewhere else and just trading for him again in February. Now we're talking. Now give up more assets again. Good times. Um, I yeah, think- but I, I mean, what another? they'll have to trade another fourth-round pick. The problem is if you let Mott sign somewhere else, guess what he's getting? Term. So, like, you're not getting six months or six weeks of Tyler Mott anymore. You're going to be getting years upon years of Tyler Mott, which, again... It's nice in theory, but is it more important to have Tyler Mott for the next three years, or is it more important to have room to sign Keandre Miller to the extra million dollars that he wants? It's that. Yeah, it's that. All right, we're out of here. Hard. We'll be back with BSBOT probably on Wednesday. Maybe Kako is signed. Maybe, maybe someone else else is a Nick. Who knows? Uh, we'll be back then. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion Meek. Follow Greg at Blue Break. I love you guys. Bye. All right, it's the end of the show, so you know what that means. I mispronounced a bunch of names of the NHL Insiders Club. I wish we had an, an amazing, amazing free agency day. We had a bunch of scoops in there, including I had Charlie Lindgren's contract but didn't have the team like four hours beforehand. I don't know. Life's weird. So without further ado, I want to thank Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cretulo, Adam Keach, Adam, Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, ben, Bill Rattel, Brendan L- Lakos. Welcome. Uh, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mellon, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezan, David Aridan, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner a cup, Garrett Gretzky can fly, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip, 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James McCarr, James, uh, James Masker, I don't know why I called him McCarr, Cal McCarr on the mind, Jamie Filipponi, Jerry and Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, JG, Frankie, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessenbaum, Justin Friedman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, uh, uh, Leshik. Oh, man, I just heard him say his last name. It's not Gronkowski at all. It's not. I, I should play it. He, it's Gronowski. Leshik, Gronowski. Nice. I think I nailed it. He's going to yell at me anyway. Um, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Mike Buckle, and Neil Grover. Nick, Nicholas Dinacola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kozarev, Pro World Sex Gamer, Randy Tester, Sean Taggart, Sean, Sean Manella, Stigbulbox, Weingart, Thomas, Welsh, Tom Sequeri, Tommy O'Neill, Tom, Tommy uh, Thomas Jr., Tour from Manhattan, the original OG supporter, Upstate Van, Vinnie Bracco, Vinnie Hay, Winston, oh, Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Thank you so much for another week. It's going to be a quiet month and a half of New York Rangers rumors in hockey. Comparatively, last year when we put up a billboard in August, we will not be doing that this year. We might make a where the hell is Mott and Kako's where Waldo book. But outside of that, I, I think we're going to be a little limited on the stunts. But we'll find the content as we always do. I have a lot of season preview stuff to go on. We're going to talk about, we'll bring some other people on to preview the season. And uh, boy, what the hell is going to be happening in come September. So thanks for sticking around with us. Love you guys. We'll be back next week with more Rangers talk as always. Love you. Bye.